it's really, so I just want to say welcome to the folks that are watching us online. Um, you're welcome to the 8.30. We're much more relaxed at 8.30 than the 10, so you're just going to have to kind of hang with us. So, But uh, uh, if, th if this time works for you, 8.30 works for you, we're, we're all just kind of waking up. So, uh, But if this works for you, you let us know, and, and we'll consider... Um, you know, doing this more often. What, what do we all say to that? Amen. Oh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And uh, like Jennifer shared, I'm going to be up in Manchester on Wednesday nights um, teaching through the Book of Acts. And so if you're listening and you're up in the Manchester area and just want to check us out on Wednesday nights, that's for you. And uh, Jennifer also mentioned that uh, you could come with with your suggestions and your uh, insights and all of that. And just know that the way I operate is the best person, the best person to execute and to implement a suggestion is the person that brings it forth. And that's really been proven by uh, the Harvard Business School. It's called Giving the Work Back to the People. And it's, uh, it comes out of a book uh, by the name of, uh, title of the book is Leadership on the Line. Just really, if you're a business guy and a leader, you're a team leader, uh, I know my buddy uh, Rob Carell, uh, when I, you know, I shared some of these things with him years ago, and he took that book and gave it to a, a number of people that he worked with, and it's really powerful, it's secular, secular book. Uh, but giving the work back to the people is is uh, is kind of uh, a principle that that it creates um, synergy in an organization and it empowers the people to uh, be about the work of of that organization. And for us, it's about the work of the kingdom, right? And so, if God has put an idea on your heart, you're one small step away from carrying that out. And my role as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so uh, we just encourage you that if you have an idea or a thought, we're very interested in you doing it. So praise the Lord. Uh, this morning, as far as our teaching, uh, the, the title that I put to this message, which is called The Divine Obligation to the Next Generation. And we're going to look at uh, two portions of scripture briefly. We're going to look at Psalm 78 verses 1 through 8 and we're going to look at Judges chapter 2 uh, verse 6 through 15. And so we have a divine obligation to the next generation. So let's pray and then we'll get into our study uh, this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, the children and the young people uh, that you've placed in our midst, both here in Chelmsford and up at Manchester. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would equip us to uh, minister to, to speak into uh, the heart of the next generation that's coming along so that they could impact their culture uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts through through your word today, we pray as Catherine comes and uh, shares for uh, a time that 
we could kind of catch a hold of uh, that idea, that concept, the power of being a peacemaker. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning uh, in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at two portions of Scripture. And let's really let these two portions of Scripture um, speak, to, speak to our hearts today because they are so important, this aspect of grabbing of hold of really an imperative to equip and to train the next generation. And it's, an, it's not only a biblical imperative, but it's a critical um, engagement uh, with our culture today. It's a necessity in equipping the younger people in our midst to be effective in their day, in their time, in bringing forth a gospel message to their generation. The statistics are bleak when it comes to retaining uh, the next generation of believers. Gallup poll has put out, as reported in Christianity Today, uh, in their September issue, there has been a 50% decline from 2009 to 2020. There's been a drop from 50% participation in 2009 to 25% participation from those, from those young people that call themselves Christians that have come out of the church. We, what we see is an extraordinary decline in the participation in the life of the church. And we have seen that decline in our own church over the last, say, 20 years. We draw back the church, say, 20, 25 years. Can you tell me how many children that we had in our church 20 years ago? Anybody? A hundred. A hundred children. There was no room at all. This little uh, storage room over here that the worship team has is kind of squirreled away and think it's their own. Well, it has like, it has wallpaper in it uh, that speaks to creation. It has, well, that used to be a children's room, a children's room. And so what we see is this decline in participation with our young people, which has several implications for us. One is that we should understand that no one's going to come to church unless well, that's kind of a too broad of a statement. Let me narrow it. It's highly unlikely that anyone is going to, on their own, say, gee, I should go visit a church. So the implication for us is that if we desire young people in our church, if we desire our church to grow, we must, we must be about the Great Commission and we must invite people to come and experience what it looks like to be a New Testament church. And the first thing that they're going to say is, There's, what? This, this, is a, this is a commercial building. And what should be your response? Praise God, it is. Yeah. Because we're not about trappings and you know, big crosses and brick buildings. We're about people. The church is people. So come on in and check us out, right? The second implication is the topic today, that God has given us these little guys, 
these teenagers, these young adults, and he expects us and demands from us that we love on them and care for them and, and invite them not only into the participation in the life of a church, but into the participation of the family of God, which is access through faith and belief in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, as much as I love my grandbabies and I have a little, you like my little, my little, what do you call these things? Oh, bracelets. This is from Madison. It's got like two little things in here. You see them? Some of you can see them. I have a, bi a bionic eye. I can see quite far now. It says this is a paw bracelet. And what we want to do is nurture these young people and bring them and, and call them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the thing that I was mentioning is that as much as I love my grandbabies, Jesus has no grandchildren, just sons and daughters of the Most High. And so our role as older people, and most of us are older, some of us are older than others, like Brother Paul here, you know, he's much older than most of us. Our role is to, is to call them to faith in Christ by modeling, by sharing our testimony. And Catherine's going to give you an opportunity to be just another set of eyes in the Sunday school. Just to, just to be there so that we do a best practice, which is like having two people in the same room. So let's look at these two, verse, these two sets of verses. They really speak for themselves, and then we'll have Catherine come up. So we're looking at Psalm 78. It says, uh, the, the title in the ESV, that it's not inspired, but it says, Tell the coming generation. What's, what's next is inspired. A masculine, which is a type of singing. It's a type of worship song. And it's a worship song that has wisdom to be imparted. So like if you were to look at, I think it's Psalm 44, verses 1 and 2, you're going to see a similar theme where the, the author of the psalm uses singing, worship, to teach ageless truths. And so that's why our, our singing portion is so important. It imparts God's truth deep in our hearts. It's a mascal of Asaph, and he's an interesting guy. When we look at a couple different verses, when we look at 1 Chronicles 6, 31 and 32, and 2 Chronicles 29, 30, we find out that he is a worship leader. That was, uh, he's a Levite who led in the singing and the construction of songs and poetry. He's, he did it along with David. And not only is he a song leader, a worship leader, a writer of songs, not only is he a poet, but it, we also know that he is a prophet. And so what we see in this psalm is really a prophetic message to all generations. And the prophetic message to all generations is, is this. 
Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And so there's nothing original about what he's going to say. He's going to quote. He's going to draw from the Pentateuch. He's going to draw from those first five books that Moses wrote. And he's going to remind the people of the ageless truth, the imperatives that God laid upon the people of God, the children of Israel. We see that in verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might in the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And that is our charge to our little ones. And that's the charge to our little ones that grow older. It's like in in my world, that's the charge that God gave to me as a father to impart to my children. And now that my role as a grandfather is to remind them not to mess up my grandbabies (laughs) and to make sure that as mom and dad that they model, live out the Christian faith, and draw their own children. Now, statistically, as much as I want to think that grandparents hold the day, it's mom and dad to hold the day that have the most influence on children. It's the mom and dad. But we get to participate in that as grandparents, as, as, as church people. You know, when I think of my own two adult children, one of the most significant things that kept them in the faith and kept them in the church is that they had significant relationships with other adults in the church. In other words, adults inconvenienced themselves to come alongside my children when they were little and speak faith and Christ into their heart. And so when they when they were, you know, kind of maturing and growing up and when they lost their minds and they thought that mom and dad didn't know anything, it was those other adults that could come right alongside them and speak into their hearts. And some of you have been those people to me, to my children, to my family. The message to us is we want to speak and have conversation about the things of God and call our young people, to have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I don't have time to do the Judges text, Judges 2, 6 through 15, but I can give you a summary. The Israelites served the Lord for as long as Joshua was alive. And then the next generation came and they did what? They forgot. 
And then you look at later in the chapter, 12 through 15, it costs them their very lives. Costs them their very lives. And so the imperative for us as a church is, is to have a vision, to have a commitment to the next generation. I give you five kind of points of application. First one is we can't be neutral in the discipleship of our children. We can't take a laissez-faire attitude towards them. Secondly, we must engage children during the daily routines of life. Thirdly, we must intentionally train and mold the heart. Fourth, we are commanded. Did you, did you hear me? Commanded. It's not, it's not a suggestion. <laughs> the the one-way pastors can, can make more room in the church is just to remind the saints about what they're commanded to do. And they say, oh, oh, that's going to inconvenience me. Going to have to go find another church down the street. Find one of those loving pastors, you know, the cuddly ones. Oh, babies, you don't have to do anything. Oh, let me, oh, you get a little gas. Oh, you feel more comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, come on. You need to be burp, go see your wife. Anyway, verse five. Oh, we're moving on, we're moving on. Oh, I can't believe this is live streamed. This is too much. I don't know if we're going to do this again, folks. It's just too real at the 8.30. It's just much too real. You know, we sanitize everything. I'm almost out of time. All right. Everybody said, oh, praise the Lord. Uh, fifth, let me read this. We are commanded to earnestly desire to use our spiritual gifts in the church for the common good of the saints and to empower the mission to evangelize the world. We obey this command by meeting the needs that present themselves to us. And so, Paul tells us to earnestly desire to use the gifts that God's given you. And, I, and, I, and Catherine's going to come up, and, and I got one minute. What does it take to have a set of eyes? To do, like to sit in a classroom. They have great snacks, by the way. You know, I'd like to say that I've never stolen, I've always tried to spiritualize it. Oh, these are the church's snacks. (laughs) But they have great snacks. We'll even deliver coffee to you. And you can just sit there and be a set of eyes. That's our greatest need, by the way. That's our greatest need, is, is just to have some folks that once a month, once every other month, once a quarter, would just say, yeah, I'm willing to sit in a classroom so that I can do my, my little part in reaching the next generation for Christ. And so... I'm thrilled that Catherine gets to come. She's going to share about a program that she's launching. Uh, is it eight weeks? Six weeks? Four weeks. Oh, look at that. Four weeks. And just share the vision cast with you, share those things with you. And uh, she'll be available uh, after the service uh, 
to answer any questions, talk to you. Um, and a few of you, if you'd help us, that would be great. Amen? So the, the mandate, the divine obligation, is to reach the next generation for Christ. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Yes. Catherine, would you want me to do the Lord's table now or after?